0: You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on The Partner Podcast. On today's show, our guest is Henry DeVries. Henry is the CEO of Indie Books International, a company he co-founded in 2014. He works with consultants and professionals who want to attract more high-paying clients by marketing with a book and a speech. As a professional speaker, he trains business leaders how to persuade with a story. Henry is the former president of an AdAge 500 advertising and PR agency and was a marketing faculty member and assistant dean of continuing education for the University of California, San Diego. As a result of his work, professionals get three Bs. They get more bookings, more buzz, and more business. So I've got with me on the podcast today, Henry DeVries, who's an old friend of mine. Henry, I've known you for decades, literally. And today, we're talking about client attraction chain reaction. Henry, thanks for joining me on the show today.
1: Well, Scott, it's so great to be here and to talk to attorneys about how they can create their own client attraction chain reaction. Absolutely right. And what does that mean?
0: It has a catchy title. I like that. Client attraction chain reaction. It rhymes. What does that
1: mean exactly? Mm, Rhyme. Good. Yeah, it's the title of my upcoming book. Well, we remember from science class chain reaction is. So a snowball rolling down a hill that gathers momentum and size, chain reaction. Fire, when uh, oxygen, fuel, heat, meet and it continues to combine, chain reaction. Of course, uh, an atomic bomb, chain reaction. Mm-hmm. Right. What I'm talking about is what are the top things that a law practice should do that when they work in concert, when they work together, they create a chain reaction of qualified prospects showing up at the firm's door or on the firm's telephone asking if they could have a meaningful conversation about retaining that firm to represent them. That's right, with blank
0: checks in hand and a pen ready to write what they need for the retainer and ready to sign contracts, ready
1: to go. That's what we want, right? Absolutely. One in my study, it took them 10 years to show up. And when they showed up at this New York law firm, they said, okay, we're ready to go. And the firm was thinking, who are you? And they go, well, you're our law firm. And it was because of things they had done over 10 years. The client just never had the problem come up yet. But as soon as it came, it was like, boom, we're here. Let's go. Interesting. So it's something I studied for 15 years. Mm -hmm. I was an adjunct faculty member at the University of California, San Diego, and I was the assistant dean for continuing education. And for some reason, professionals, and attorneys were fascinating to me. So I did a 15-year, $3 million study of what are the top ways law firms and other professionals generate qualified leads and found out there was a definite rank order to this and that the magic was in the mix when they did the top seven things, which I call the Magnificent Seven. I'm a big movie fan. So I call it the Magnificent Seven. When you do the Magnificent Seven together, it creates this chain reaction.
0: That's interesting. So you believe that if there's a partner attorney listening today and he or she might be struggling, they've got an accretive book, it's okay. Do you believe that if they do these things that you're talking about, they can actually see a marked difference in how they generate business?
1: Not only do I believe it, I have statistical proof that it works, I have testimonials that the ROI on this is anywhere from 400 to 2,000 percent. In attracting people. And it's still always the magic is in the mix. You can't do something once. Uh, You need to consistently do these things. If you consistently do these things, you will have a steady stream of qualified prospects. You won't be like the one attorney I interviewed in my research who said, uh, I practice rent law. And I said, oh, rent law, Uh, what kind of rent is that? And he says, whatever law pays the rent, that's the law I practice. No, it's not about that.
0: Right. So I know we talked before, you said, we talked about prospects secretly laughing at us. What do you mean by that exactly?
1: Well, as part of my research study, I conducted focus groups with prospects, people who hire law firms, professionals. And they said that they were secretly laughing at all the firms because all the firms sound alike and they all say the same thing. And it goes something like this. You know, Mr. Prospect, we're the perfect size for you. Small enough for personal attention, big enough to get the job done. They said firms with five people say that. Firms with 500 people say that. Solo practitioners say that. So it's size is a joke. Also, how many years you've been in practice is a joke. As somebody pointed out, they've been golfing longer than Tiger Woods. That doesn't make <laughs> a better golfer than Tiger Woods.
0: That's right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It's just one year of experience 20 times, right? Right, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. I'm, I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts about this. What are some action steps a, a law firm partner can do so that they can get the call? They can get people calling them to do work for them on those legal matters in which they specialize?
1: Great question. Before I get to the seven action steps, what I call the magnificent seven things to do. Let me give you a idea that firms should do before they start with that. Okay, And that's, they should develop a proprietary client problem solving process. And here's what I mean. I was interviewing this one CEO and he said, we recently had to hire a law firm and it was an area of law we hadn't had a problem with before. So I got some names. I got some referrals. That's usually what people do. And then I interviewed three attorneys. And the first two attorneys told me how long they'd been in practice, how many lawyers they had at the firm. They gave me some marquee client names that they'd had. And then the third attorney started by asking me some very good questions. And in our research, we found out that you gain the greatest amount of credibility by the quality of questions you ask during that first meaningful conversation with a client. Right. They want to know that you understand their pain. And you demonstrate that by the quality of questions you ask and by doing this amazing thing uh, called listening, by actually listening to the client (laughs) and repeating back so you understand. Well, then this third attorney said, okay. I, based on what you've told me, I, I had this understanding of your problem, and I wanted to share with you that our firm has developed a proprietary problem-solving process for clients like you, and he took out a laminated, color-coded flowchart, and the process had a name on it, something like the blank-blank methodology, TM. You know, so it was trademarked, it was intellectual property of the firm. The man I interviewed, the CEO, said, as soon as he took that out, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I thought, at last, I found the right firm. Now, I did not go back and find those other two attorneys and interview them. But if I did, they would have said something like this (laughs) We all practice law the same way, the law is the law, and protocols are the same. All this guy did is put it in a color coded flow chart, gave it a fancy name, and laminated it. Mm. So, my advice to your listeners is put together a color coded flow chart, laminate it, and give it a fancy name (laughs) because clients find process comforting. I worked with one family law attorney, and he goes, Well, we don't, you know, we just practice law, we don't do it. And I said, okay, let me march you through. I come in as a client. I do this. What do you do? He said, this. What do I do that? What do I do that? First thing is uh, we try to settle. Okay, what's after that? Well, we do this. We prepare this. And I said, okay, I just wrote down 10 steps. And he goes, oh, let me see him. Oh, yeah, those are the 10 steps. I said, you know them. The clients don't know them. When the clients see that you have steps that you follow and they're numbered and they can track them and, and they see your outcome is really to get the best outcome for them. The weight lifts off their shoulders and they think at last I have found the right firm.
0: So really, I think kind of summarizing what you said, we need to get that weight lifted off the client's shoulders. We need to say things and do things. And if, of course, it has to be backed up with substance that get them to choose to say, I'm working with you. I, I don't feel That weight anymore because I think you can help me.
1: Absolutely, because prospects wake up in the morning and they have a problem. They don't wake up in the morning and say, you know, my life would be better if I found an attorney. I bet an attorney (laughs) could help me if something came up one day. No, they wake up with actually two problems: the problem, and then the problem of who do they find to trust. And my mentor in this was Dr. David Maester, M-A-I-S-D-R. Oh, sure. uh, Of the Harvard Business School. And if I was going to recommend one book, just one book, oh, Scott, this is where people think I'm going to shill my book. Uh, (laughs) I've written 10 of them. So it might be marketing with a book. It might be persuade with a story. It might be my new book that's coming up, Client Attraction Chain Reaction, which, by the way, if you bought a copy, I'd be happy to autograph. And if anybody buys two copies, I'll come to their house and read it to them. (laughs) Well, tell me about the book. Tell me about I'm not shilling my book. Is this this the the true professionalism book? That's a great one. Trusted advisor is great, but it's managing the professional service firm. Wait, say that again, managing the professional services firm? Is that right? Dr. Meister is retired, and um, he was so nice to let me take one page out of his book, and with his blessing, I built a career out of it, and just went really deep on this subject of how you attract the clients. And you do it by offering them valuable information on how to solve their problems in general then they hire you for the specifics. And be willing to talk to any prospect about how you would solve their problem. Just don't spend time writing down solutions and giving to them. That's free consulting. And you don't want to do that. Tell me about the Magnificent Seven. I want to hear about this.
0: What are the Magnificent Seven ways?
1: Okay. And I'm going to do them in rank order, sort of like old David Letterman style of and I studied a hundred things. These are just the top seven. Number seven is put on workshops, how-to workshops on a problem-solving process. I worked with a, a regional firm that became a national firm with this strategy, uh, where they would give a half-day workshop, charge money for it, give away all kinds of documentation that people could use, and show their ways of problem-solving clients and It's what attracted clients and helped make it a national firm. Wow! So problem-solving workshops, people would pay time and money for it. Here's the dirty little secret. Tell people you'll tell them how they compare to their peers. You've done some research on how they compare to their peers. And you don't say exactly what IBM or Hewlett-Packard did, but you say they were in your study and 86% are doing this and 15% are doing that. It's the secret sauce. It's what attracts people. Number six is you need to get your internet game plan together. Okay. A couple of factors on that. One is LinkedIn. A lot of people are on LinkedIn. They have no reason why. Uh, The reason why is they need to fully build out their profile, make it all-star status. So when people check you out and they check you out on LinkedIn, they'll see lots of evidence uh, that you are somebody who publishes, and that can even be just a blog on LinkedIn. It's free to have your blog on LinkedIn and that you speak. I, Why should people speak? Talk about that. Oh, because speaking says that you're a problem solving thought leader. Thought leaders speak and publish, they do those two things. So even, oh, I advise uh, professionals, attorneys, that you should be doing two pro bono speeches a month two pro bono speeches a month. And as you get farther in your career, you can be doing paid speeches. I think it was you who told me once about networking. You can go to network, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The speaker networks with everybody. Absolutely right. Yeah, because everybody hears that and their best thinking. And also the fact that they were put on the stage and a spotlight was shined on them communicates something that, oh, this is somebody who cares. Because we care to give away information on how to solve people's problems, and it's an old adage. Some people say Teddy Roosevelt said it, but there's no proof of that. And other people give it to John Maxwell, but it's uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. I believe in the truth of the adage, and that adage is something comes across. And when you you do it on LinkedIn and you show it. It communicates that. Also, when you show that you speak on LinkedIn, it tells other people who book speakers that you're somebody who they could ask to speak. That's right. And when someone asks you to speak, you should do the following. Pause three seconds for dignity and then say, thank you for asking. Don't yeah. jump right away. That's a rookie mistake. You go, mm, what's the date? Know, I, I like it. Three seconds for dignity. I, mean. I love it. Pause three seconds for dignity. Oh, thank you for asking. Let me check my <laughs> Yes. yes. Um, so, so tell me, so this is kind of
0: going back. You talked about what to put on your LinkedIn profile. What are we on? Is that number two
1: or number three? That's six. We're still oh. at point six is getting. Okay, I was going is how you get your internet game plan together. <laughs> I also say, you know, put on an opt-in list. That client that showed up 10 years later, the way they stayed in touch was they got their monthly newsletter from the law firm. Hmm. So and then when a problem came, they oh here's the newsletter, call them. Okay, number five. Everybody knows this networking. Networking is showing up at target-rich environments. Now it helps if you're playing in a niche like the law firm that went from a little uh, one-town law firm to a national practice when they decided their niche was pest control companies. So they were going to be you know when people think about killing bugs and law problems, think about that firm. Wow. And they've handled the problems of these. Uh, companies across the country, so they know to network they go to target rich environments like the convention where these people gather, so it helps if you know who your people are, and number four is don 't just go to network, give, give before you get is my mom used What do you to mean it? by that exactly Henry I mean get involved when i I ran a large advertising and PR agency, I say ran it i didn 't own it, I ran it for someone else, and I wanted to expand the the client base. We were mostly in real estate, so I thought hospitality would be good. I joined the Hotel Motel Association. Mm -hmm. And the person who signed me up said, oh, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, it seems a little strange. I said, what is it? Well, you know, you're the only advertising agency that has joined the Hotel Motel Association. So Scott, here's what I was thinking. Excellent. Like Mr. (laughs) Burns on The Simpsons, you know, excellent. (laughs) And in a year, I had three hotels as clients. And here's how I did it. I said, well, what's the biggest need for the organization? They said, membership. I said, sign me up for the membership committee. So that gave me carte blanche to call every hotel in town that wasn't a member and say, hi, I'm on the membership committee of the Hotel Motel Association. And people would talk to me about their hotel. And then they'd say, oh, well, do you run a hotel? Oh, no, I don't. Well, what do you run? Oh, I'm the president of an advertising agency. And they would say, oh, you know, we're... We're looking for an advertising agency, and I said, "Oh, that's interesting." Now about the hotel motel association, I would make them come back to me and say, "No, I, I really, you know, would you come in and talk to us about representing our hotel for advertising?" I would pause three seconds for dignity and <laughs> say, "Thank you for asking," and then go in.
0: I love so, it. Pause three. Okay, seconds.
1: that gets us to four. Most law firms don't do the. Three secret weapons. When I studied the hundred biggest law firms in America, over ninety percent were doing the three secret weapons. Are you ready? Okay, what are they? I want to know. Three get published. I write a column uh, seven times a month. I'm paid to write for Forbes. I didn't start there. I did a column with Inc., that CBS Money Watch, with the San Diego Daily Transcript, which was that you know legal paper that they have to have articles so all the Ads about lawsuits filed and all that don't run into each other. But I worked my way up, get published, get, and all the way to a book. Uh, I've helped uh, attorneys with the books and, you know, legal guides. And it just shows that they are the expert in the field. They don't care if they make any money on these books, but they want to be listed as that author and seen. You know, when somebody Googles you, before a speech on this, somebody came up to me and said, you know, before I came, Henry, I Googled you. And I said, oh, I had a strange sense I was being Googled. <laughs> so they're going to Google you. What's it going to show? <laughs> um, so it's great if it can show that you're published. Number two is give how-to speeches at, in front of target-rich environments where somebody else has organized it, you're invited in. You're, what do you mean? How how we, what are, you are some examples of that? A podcast is a how-to speech in front of a target-rich Oh, I see. That's great. But uh, Well, I mentioned that Hotel Motel uh, Association. I ran uh, once because I also wanted computer and electronic clients and there was no association. So I formed the Computer and Electronics Marketing Association of San Diego and had monthly meetings and had speakers come in. And it was amazing how bad some of the speakers were when they came in. They thought it was a chance to show their 40 slide deck on how great their firm was and then add two slides on the topic. That's just the opposite. It should be 40 slides on how to solve the group's problems and two slides on who you are, like a commercial at the, at the end of the show. So they should
0: just be very liberal and generous with content. Don't you think that people are going to say, oh,
1: I don't need to call them now because I know what to do? That's a common misperception that if you give the information away, they won't need you. I have found the exact opposite. The more information you give away, the more clients you attract, because mm-hmm. it proves to people, and this is what Dr. Macer showed out of uh, the Harvard Business School, it proves that you're the expert, because they woke up with the two problems, the problem that they and the problem of who do I trust? Well, they want to find an expert. Well, an expert who freely gives away, and I don't mean free, I mean, I charge for my books, I charge for my workshops, but it's the idea that I don't say you have to pay me thousands of dollars to get this information. What most people believe in our study, they said, if somebody's willing to give away that much information, then they've got a lot more information. Yeah, right. That's right. I went to school with an attorney and he was struggling, you know, he was practicing rent law, as we say, <laughs> and he bought to pay the rent and, uh, he came in and I wanted to help him, but I, I thought I'll just do it as a gift. I said here, and on my bookshelf, I had 300 books. I picked out 10 books and I said, these are the 10 books you need. You know, um, you read these 10 books, do what they say, and you will have all the clients you want. And he said, yeah, I don't want the 10 books. I want to hire the guy who knew which ten books to pull off of that bookshelf and yeah. apply it to my problems. So that's what people want it's not the, It's not that you're a an employment law firm and you tell people how to invo uh, employment problems or your family law, and you explain to people how they can do uh, mediation or agreed upon divorce instead of litigation. It isn't that you tell them the how. It's that, oh, you're the person who knew the how and you cared enough to share the how. That's the person I can trust to apply it to my specific situation. Sure. Number one, small-scale seminars. On a monthly basis in a conference room, if you don't have one, then team up with a CPA who has one or a bank that you work with and get four to eight people in for a problem-solving discussion Sometimes these are called lunch and learns. Uh, they can be breakfast briefings. I find CEOs, C-level people are more up for breakfast briefings. Right. Certain professions like construction, it's after work. It's like four to six if you want to get people in construction companies because their mornings are when they're getting everything going and they've got to make sure it's happening. What do you do? Do you
0: charge for that? Do you offer lunch? Do you have an open bar if it's at the end of the day? What are some things you've seen that have worked for that?
1: Right. For C-level people on breakfast briefings, I say charge. Mm-hmm. Unless you charge, and I mean $25, and you're providing them coffee and some nice pastries. But unless you charge, there's a conception that, okay, this is going to be some come on, and these people are going to sell us. So yeah. in mine, I always say, no cost, no selling, no kidding. And you know, I tell them, even though you came, you're a little wary. On the Lunch and Learns, I've tested free and charging $25 for you know a piece of gourmet pizza or a sandwich. And I got more people and better qualified people when I charged. So I did a follow-up survey and interviewed the people, and I asked the people when it was free why they came. And they said, well, because it was free. And when I asked the people who paid, because it was the exact same invitation, matter of fact, they were given an option of which one to attend. And they said, well, when I saw there was one that was free and the one paid, I knew the paid one would be the one with the real information. Like, you know, the $25 didn't even cover the cost of the invitations, the coffee and the pastry. It's a, it's a loss leader. But I know from my studies, if I get 20 people to be in one of those discussion sessions with me, 12 will want a follow-up strategy call, which I offer at no cost. I call it a book chat and we chat about how a book could help attract clients for them and how speaking could attract clients. And then from those 12, 3 sign up to become clients and the average lifetime value is going to be close to $20,000 for me. So, I don't know who's going to become the client. I, I call it frog kissing. Uh, you don't know which frog you kiss that will become a handsome right. prince or prince. So you have to kiss every frog ardently and passionately. So that's what I do. I just I'm very generous in my time. I'm very generous with the follow-up appointments in helping them. And the funny thing happens, Scott, the more generous I am, the luckier I get. (laughs) So so let me ask you kind of a case study. Let's say, think back
0: to the attorneys that you know, what would be examples that you've seen? Who did they partner with? How did they market this? Uh, What have you seen them do with these small seminars,
1: these skill seminars that you talk about? Sure. Uh, I worked with the American Academy of Estate uh, Planners and what they would do is they would have these monthly um, sessions and usually it was a dinner briefing on trusts and they made it show it was very educational. And there's something about the strategy of many to one. And this one attorney I talked to, he said, you know, uh, I know you want me to do this public speaking stuff, and, and I don't like to do that, uh, but I'm very good one-on-one. So I'm going to have one-on-one seminars. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I said I don't know where you're from, but I'm from a, a, a ranch. And we used to say that kind of behavior can stampede the cattle. One-on-one is a sales call. It makes people nervous. One to many, they feel they've got the protection of the crowd there it's just a psychological thing. This one attorney, we'll call her Mary, names have been changed for confidentiality reasons, Mm -hmm. but Mary was a great family law attorney and her work was supplementing the family income and so she could spend time raising her two boys. And then unfortunately her husband left and left her with no support. Mary had to double her income in a year and and Mm -hmm. came to me. And she said, Henry, I I know what you teach uh, and it won't work for me. And I said, "Well." Mary, go ahead. She goes. I'm family law attorney. If I put on seminars about divorce, and the husband walked in one door and the wife walked in the other door, we would have the divorce right there. And I said, okay. And she goes, and, and like unlike your other clients, people come in and they want to pump me for free information, and they'll talk to me for like an hour and a half, and then I never see them again. So I I wasted that time. I said, okay, Mary. Here's what we're going to do: two things. I said, how much do you charge an hour? She said 250. And I said, OK, I want you to go to a mirror and practice the following 350. 350. I charge 350. And when you can believe that, start telling that to clients. I said, Now, the next thing when somebody calls your assistant, the assistant says, Oh, well, Mary has two options. One is a private one on one consultation, she charges $350 an hour. We just swipe your credit card. She will answer every question you have about divorce and child custody and litigation. And at the end of the session, usually it takes people 90 minutes, we run the credit card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or or if you and your spouse are willing to come in for a 20-minute private seminar, she will explain the difference between litigation, mediation, and collaboration. And most people don't know that litigation is 10 times more expensive that people have lost security clearances because of what came out. Criminals have found out information they've used against people that came out in court. And that judges have a strict protocol on what they do. She said half the people chose private consultations. They ran the credit cards. She's got a flow of income. On the other side, the other people, they would bring their spouse in. Mary said, I knew where they sat in the meeting if they were going to get divorced or not. But I didn't give away the end of the movie. Right, right. I, I gave them a survey to fill out before we talked. And if they both checked the box that they would consider reconciliation, I told them, okay, I'll do the seminar, but you don't need a divorce attorney. You need a marriage counselor. And here's mm-hmm. a list of marriage counselors in the area that uh, I have vetted. And I suggest you interview them and, and choose one and meet. Uh, I love Mary for that. And she would give them. That group, and she said, "You know, she was surprised. Some people want to fight, and she's they want to go to court. You know, I'm with them." She doubled her revenue by that dual strategy in that year. So that's the power of all this. So Henry, let me ask you as we wrap up
0: here. You've got some amazing resources, and you've written a lot. And I know you're you have a column, at least one column that I know about in in Forbes magazine. Is that right?
1: That's right. I write on attracting high paying clients for Forbes. And uh, I have seven columns a month. So all of these techniques and all that, if you just go and, and look it up on Forbes, you can get lots of ideas on how to do that. Uh, and I've written about you, Scott. And uh, that's how we met a long time ago is that uh, right. when I was writing my columns for a local paper, I was fascinated with your work and uh, have featured it. I've also featured it in some of my books. So you can find me on you know, Amazon, of course, marketingwithabook.com, uh, persuadewithastory.com. I'm sorry, Marketing with a Book, Persuade with a Story. There's also a website, persuadewithastory.com, and I, I give away a lot of information on that. My company is Indie Books International. I work with professionals and consultants who want to attract high-paying clients by marketing with a book and a speech. And in fact, uh, in the last decade, I have helped with more than 300 business books, either as a ghostwriter, co-author, editor, publisher. Um, For the last five years, I've been publishing books uh, for professionals and consultants and helping them become thought leaders. And my company is Indie Books International, I-N-D-I-E, books, B-O-O-K-S-I-N-T-L.com. And I have a learning center on there and there's all sorts of things about, should I traditionally publish, indie publish, or self-publish, and you know how do I find a ghostwriter, and lots of information to help people, and, and information on these top seven ways, the magnificent seven ways. Uh, I go into depth on those in the books. And then I do things called marketing with a book and speech summits around the country. I just did one in San Francisco. We're doing some in the San Diego and Irvine and Chicago and Tulsa. So I get around the country. And uh, the events are on the website too. And, and most of my events are uh, no cost, no selling, no kidding. So three That's hours great. of information. That's great.
0: Well, Henry, we'll definitely put all those links on the show notes for our site. And again, you've given us great content and delivered. I'm sure I'll have you back here on the show later on. And thanks again so much, Henry. I really appreciate all of your expertise and of course your generosity in sharing, in sharing good content that people
1: can use right away. Thanks, Scott. Our brand is generosity.
0: Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.